Okay, so tonight we're going to be learning Oskuf in the Sefer Reish Milin from Rav Avar Mitzvah Kukhoin Kuk's Fusiyaganalinu. And in order to understand the Oskuf, which in and of itself is a longer letter, so the Hakdamos are not going to be as long as usual, although we can spend a lot of time discussing the introductions necessary for the Oskuf, but for the sake of time and brevity, we're going to try and be mapped in the letter relatively quickly so that we can actually look at what Rav Kook has to say, because particularly by the Oskuf, Rav Kook is more profound than typically with regards to the precision of the words that he's choosing and the imagery that he's depicting. Now, in order to understand the Oskuf, we have to pick up where we left off last week with the Oskadi. Those tzadi or the tzadik, which, if we remember, was the klaliyut hakol, as the pratiyut emerge from within the klaliyut hakol, the general unity of the osmem, to the point of the osnun, which are the nunei hayam, the particular identities that emerge out of the klal hakol, which is really the bina that emerges out of the chachma, the din that emerges out of the pure chesed. Then we come towards the samich, which was how the particular identities of the Osnun edify themselves and maintain their own personal identity through this Kaya Chagvul, through the Butsina de Cardenusa, that limiting power. Then we came to the Ayin and the Peh, which was the vision that the particular existent brings into itself and saturates itself with from that which is outside of itself. The Ospeh was, or the Ospeh was the preparation towards speech, the precipice of expression in the full sense. And then the Ostzadi came and collects and gathers all of these particularized forms of identity as they emerge out of the Kaliyut HaKol in the second half of the Aleph base as described in Reish Milin. And it collects everything together to ensure that everything is in its right place, the righteousness of everything, the tzedek of everything, to make sure that everything is kolet etas sa'ara, that everything goes specifically to the hairbreadth that it's supposed to go to, precise and deliberate in the world, so that we can say tzedkas chasedek, so that we can say that everything is in its right place and everything has its right time. The importance of the tzadi and the tzadik was because as we descend further and further into the worlds of separation outside of the worlds of unity that began with the Os Aleph, we become more suspect and we become more influenced by separation and by the apparent duality that reigns. And it's only going to be by the Os Tuf where we actually see how this duality and period and multiplicity that emerge out of these later letters only by the Ostaf are we going to see how everything gets reverted and thrown back to the beginning to disclose and reveal a deeper level of unity, a Toisefes Kishot, as Ravichamaya Morgan Stenshlita would say, an adornment of perfection, somehow showing that perfection can be perfected by way of imperfection. That when perfection can manifest within imperfection, it deepens and amplifies the level of perfection in a deeper way than we have previously seen in the perfection prior to imperfection. Now, the Oskuf is already going to be the movement away from the supernal realms of Atsilut, or the worlds of unity, and a descent into the worlds of separation, typically described in the Zohar and the Kitve Arizal, as the worlds of Bria, Yesira, and Asiya. Now, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, although they represent three separate worlds, each containing its own ontological status, vis-a-vis HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Kedusha, Bara means created, Yatsar means formed, and Asiya means 
materialized and everything that we experience is at the bottom of Olamasia. Nevertheless, this triparate world breakup of the three worlds of separation can really be seen as a unitary whole in that they represent separation in relationship to the unity that preceded them. Now, one of the determining factors when it comes to identifying the difference between the worlds of separation where godliness is less apparent and there's even a certain ontological sense of difference and distinction is with regards to what takes place in the worlds of separation. In the worlds of separation, we come onto an idea known in the Sifrei Mikubalim and the Zohar as klipa, as a shell or a husk. Now, the imagery of klipa, the idea of klipa, is on a certain level the casing or the external shell that contains and conceals the interiority or the essential nature of something from the outside. So that when a person looks at the world on the level of the worlds of separation, instead of seeing the apparent ruchnius and the apparent kedusha that abides within all of existence, mamali ka'almin and soviv ka'almin, when we look externally at what we see in the worlds of separation, our first point of contact is with klipa, is with the shell, the husk. And this husk, this separation, this concealment, this shell that covers over the essential grain contained within everything, is the source, according to the Mikubalim, in particular the Arizal, of all distortion, multiplicity, duplicity, separateness, and eventually, after numerous forms of evolution, it manifests in suffering, hate, sin, transgression, and all negativity that we conceive and perceive in the world. Now, by the Oz Kuf, for of Kuk, we are entering into a space that is devoid of the apparent unity. After the Oz Tzadi, after the Avoda of the Tzadik, which contains all Pratiyot together, ensuring that everything is in its rightful place according to the Tzedek, according to the righteousness of existence, the Oz Kuf is already a descent into a space where righteousness no longer has its reign. Which is why Rav Kuk showed us in the Oz Tzadi that in order to properly understand the Oz Tzadi, we have to pronounce it as Tzadik because the tzaddik is always chasing after the kuf, because the avodah of the tzaddik is always to chase after that which falls into duplicity and fallenness in the attempt to rise it and raise it up back to Kedusha. So the tzaddik chases after the kuf specifically because the kuf is a place of separateness, distortion, brokenness, suffering, existential concealment, the malachamavdas, as the Zohar tells us, and everything that we identify and associate with the areas of suffering in our personal lives and in our collective lives. Now, when it comes to understanding klipa and the nature of the husks and the nature of distinction and distortion in the worlds of separation, it's important that we understand that for the Arizal and for Ormakubalim and Bali Hasidus and the Vilnagon as well, that klipa has its own order. Not to think that chaos and distinction and distortion operates on its own, God forbid, but rather it operates according to the order and the systematic approach that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to operate according to. And what the Mikubalim described based on the Pasuk in Yechaskel by the Maisa HaMarkava is that there are really four levels of klipa, and those four levels can be broken up into two categories. Now the Pasuk that klipa is taken from, where the Arizal, situates and bases his theory of klipa on is the Pasuk in Yechezkel where Yechezkel Anavi says after beholding and perceiving this remarkable image of the Maisa Merkava, Va'era v'hine ruach sa'ara, ruach sa'ara, the strong storm, the strong wind, 
That's the first klipa. It arrives, Menat Safon, it comes from the north. Anan Gadol, the great cloud, the cloudiness of our lives, which is the second level of klipa. Ve'esh mitlakachas, and this fiery rotating flame. Now those three levels, the Ruach Sa'ara, the Anan Gadol, and the Esh mitlakachas, those are the three klipos that the Arizal and Bali Chasidus and the Bali Kabbalah describe as Temeim Lagamre. Those are impure and we have no access to them. Those are the areas, the knots in life, the real in life that is traumatic and we have no access there. The areas that really only Tzadikim, according to the Balatanya and Igros HaKodesh, have the ability to elevate. But Apipashtus, nobody has the ability to look at those areas of life. Those are what Rabbi Nachman describes as the kushyot of the halal hapanui in Torah Samachdalid, those questions and that apikorsis, which we don't have the possibility of answering, and therefore the only way to confront them is through an existential and explicit act of silence in the face of needing to say so much, where we're silent instead of speaking about our theological or faith-based issues, where we're silent in front of them, accepting like Moshe Rabbeinu, who when asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the suffering of Rabbi Akiva, is answered with shtok kach ala be silent, this is how it was elevated or raised in the primordial thought of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kabyachol. These are the areas, those gimel klipos atameyin, those three klipos which we have no access to, those are the areas where a Jew needs to be silent in front of and accept with pure faith, with amuna kadosha and the raza demehem nusa. But the Pasa goes on and it says, after describing these three first levels of klipa, v'noge lo saviv u'mitocha ke'en ha'chashmal mitocha esh. Now, v'noge lo saviv, and there was a glimmering shine that surrounded these three klipos, here we come on to this concept of the Klipas Noga. Klipas Noga is the fourth level of Klipa. It's the fourth level of distortion or concealment or a husk that surrounds the kernel of essentiality and Kedusha. But it's different on a certain level and on many levels than the first three Klipos. On the one hand, it's similar in the sense that it shields and it conceals holiness so that when a person looks at it and when a person looks at their lives and the world as a whole, they perceive separateness and distortion. But the Klipas Noga is different in the sense that that is the arena, that is the place that the individual can actually work with the klipa in order to penetrate it and disclose that within the klipa itself rests the Ein HaChashmal, this this lightning bolt, this Kedusha, the or of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that rests deeply within the Klipa itself, Kavyachol. Now, obviously, even the first three Klipos, the Klipos HaTameos, contain the spark of godliness within them. That's axiomatic to the Kabbalistic perception of the world and to any level of Amuna and Kedusha. Everything contains Kedusha within it. But by the first three Klipos, it's inaccessible. There's a halacha on a certain level that a person cannot try and access the Kedusha inherent within the Gimel Klipos Atameos. And the Balatanya has an arichos on this with regards to the Tara of the Afar of the Para Aduma, which we're not going to get into. The Klipos Noga, on the other hand, is tittering on the edge of Kedusha as well as Tumah, of Kedusha and Chol, of Tumah and Tahara. The Klipas Noga is the liminal space that contains properties of both impurity and purity, of concealment and revelation, of darkness and light, where it is dependent and contingent on the avoda and the bhira and the volitional behavior of the individual to determine and disclose the actual nature of the Klipas Noga. 
Meaning to say that Klipas Noga is a neutralized area that waits at the ready for the human being to engage in it so that the human being can determine what the valence of that specific thing is. Klipas Noga, for example, as described in the Ramban ala Torah by Parshas Kedoshim, is that a person cannot be a novel with the permission of the Torah. Meaning to say that there are certain things that are not asur, which fall into the category of the Gimokliposatomeos, and they're not mutter, which fall into the category of Kedusha, but rather they're neutralized, which means that they fall into a liminal space where it's not clear or determined what their value or their power is. And it is contingent and dependent on the individual and their intention and the attention that they pay to the action that they're engaged in or the thought that they're engaged in as to whether that area of neutrality is elevated towards Kedusha through positive intentions or it is degraded towards tumma and impurity through negative intentions. Klipas Noga is the Eitzadas Tovara. It is that area of duplicity which we are not quite sure as to what the value of this experience is in our lives, in Metsius, in existence, and in spirituality. The jury is still deliberating with regards to what the value is. And the Makom of Bechira, that point of choice, that Rega HaBechira that Rav Kluger speaks so beautifully about in his two volumes, Yisrael Bechiri, which in my humble opinion is one of, those, one of the most remarkable depictions of Bechira in the last 100 years. But that Rega HaBechira, that Nekuda Sahove, that moment of present time where a person is forced to choose whether something will be elevated towards Kedusha or de- degraded down towards Tuma, that is the liminal space of the Klipas Noga, which stands prepared to be determined and inspired by the Avoda and the Kavana of the individual. Now for Rav Kook, when discussing klipa and separateness in general, as the falling away from the realm of the tzadi, where we begin already to enter into the realm of duplicity and multiplicity that abides within the osios of kuf, resh, shin, and taf, as Chazal tell us, these are the osios of sheker, these are the osios of klipa, and the Zohar has very strong things to say about the os kuf, primarily because this is the area where already it's not clear what we need to be doing. By the tzadi, by the tzaddik, it's very clear what the balance of things are. Everything is l'shem shamayim. Everything is for the sake of being miyached kutshubrihu and shtinte, unifying the transcendent aspect of godliness with the imminent aspect of godliness, thereby disclosing that everything is contained within Kedusha. By the oskuf already, there's a falling away where it's no longer clear or apparent what the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. That is the area of kushya, which starts with a kuf. That is the area of klipa, which starts with the Kuf, the Zohar describes it as Asia Zinunim, this secondary woman who attempts to seduce the individual, who attempts to draw the Neshama away from Avodah Sashem. When Rav Kuk discusses Klipa in general, he doesn't go into the Gimel Klipa Sotomeos because there's no realm of human participation there, but rather he's discussing Klipa's Noga in general. So for Rav Kuk, the descent from the Tzadi to the Kuf is the entrance into the space of liminality, into the space where things are not determined and is up to the human being to determine the value of things, which is a space of doubt. Now, secondly, and the second hakdama with regards to the Os Kuf, is that for Rav Kuk, and the only other tzaddik who really goes as far in terms of 
expressing klipas noga or this liminal space of this husk that can be transformed to kedusha as well as tuma, and therefore it is besafek, it is a ben hashmashos. We're not quite sure what its value is until after we reveal our actions retroactively, we determine what its balance is. Lemafreya, Magali Milsa, we disclose its value after our action. The only other tzaddik who speaks in this language with regards to Klipas Noga is Ratzadok HaKohen Meliblin. And we're going to see later on in Sidkas HaTzadik, in Os Reish Nun Zayin, how Rav Sadok HaKohen, on the one hand, sees Os Kuf as a highly negative letter associated with Malachamavas and Klipa and distortion and duplicity as it falls away from the hold of the Tzaddik. Rav Tzaddik is also going to express that Kuf also represents Kedusha. Kuf also has the capacity of being transformed into holiness. And we're going to see on a certain level that this area of Klipas Noga, although it appears to be devoid of Kedusha, Although it appears to be a removal and a descent away from the realms of supernal holiness that stop at the Mem and especially at the Os Tzadi, we're going to see that the Os Kuf, as representative of the Sira of Keser, of the 100 brachos that a person makes daily, of the Brecha HaElyona, of its relationship with the Osios Aleph and Yud, in the sense that Aleph is 1, Yud is 10, and Kuf is 100, in Ayak Bachar, the way that Chazal break up the osios of Aleph Yud Kuf, Beis Chaf Reish, Gimel Shin, V'chulei, etc., we're going to see that this Klipas Noga, this space of liminality and non-clarity and doubt and where things are shrouded in a certain ambivalence because it can either be this thing or the other thing depending on the perspective that we have at the particular moment, this capacity within the world is rooted in one of the loftier aspects of Kedusha. It's rooted in Keser, in the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we see from the Maharal in his introduction to the Sefer Or Chadash on Megillus Esther, that Esther comes from such a lofty place and therefore she is hidden. That things that are holiest descend into the lowest places. And therefore, Klipas Noga, because it appears to be devoid of Kedusha and dependent on human volitional action to determine its balance, in truth, and Balei Chassidus Chabad described this at length, it is rooted in the loftiest place of Bechira Chavshis, which is one of the main places where we imitate God, where we imitate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachal has free will, and so too the individual has free will in order to be Badam Eliyotro, in order to attempt to act like their creator. So although Klipas Noga appears to be devoid of Kedusha, and the Kuf appears to be devoid of the Kedusha of the Os Tzadi and the Or HaTzadik, when we come to the Tuf, we're going to see how Kuf, Reish, Shin, and Tuf, which are the Osios of Sheker, are actually the preparation to disclose a deeper level of unity, a deeper level of Kedusha that comes by way of the concealment that abides within the world of separation, where a person needs to utilize the Mesiris Nefesh and the Bechira Chavshis and the choice to disclose God in a world that screams at the loftiest levels against any concept of God to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a world that is separate and apart from God ostensibly is like we've said over and over and over, which is the bedrock of Sefer Reish Milin, is a deeper level of Kedusha. Now for Rav Kook, as we're going to see, the avoda of the Klipas Noga, the avoda of this ambivalent space is the avoda of mimicry and imitation, whereby a person looks at things that are holier than them, 
looks at individuals and concepts and ideals that are holier than them. And this is not only true by human beings, but by all of reality, as Rufkuk is going to say, that in the world of klipa, in the world of separation, nothing is original. Everything is on a certain level a simulacrum of something previously original. That everything that we conceive and perceive within the world of separation is but a mirror image of things that preceded it. And it is our job to properly imitate and mimic that which precedes us. On a certain level, the only hope that we have with regards to maintaining and sustaining Kedusha in a world that appears to be devoid of Kedusha is to follow in the paths of that which preceded us, is to imitate the behaviors, is to be like a kof, like a monkey, like an ape in the face of an adam. The mimicry of the monkey, the mimicry of the ape, the, the mimetic act, the choice to imitate something loftier than us, that is going to be disclosed in the oskuf. And as we're going to see, like we said about Klippas Noga, mimicry and imitation and the mimetic phenomenon of human beings in the sense that we imitate everything we see in spite of the fact that we hope and we feel things are original, they are duplicated and replicated and they are returns of themselves. This is specifically the space where we get to choose whether our mimicry or our imitation of godliness is going to be Lima'alyusa and Litzad HaKedusha of the Oskov, or whether it's going to be Ligarusa and Lechisaron of the, the Klipa of the Oskuf, both, again, starting with the Oskuf, because it can go either way. Now, Chazal have already told us the significance of imitation and mimicry within the religious concept and within spiritual activity. The Gemara in Bava Basra and Nun Ches Amad Aleph has a remarkable Gemara where it discusses Various individuals who, when aligned, relatively speaking, to other personalities, are considered adam, like a monkey or an ape in the face of another person. So every person with regard in relationship to Chava is considered as an ape in the eyes of Chava. And Chava is an ape in the eyes of that which preceded her. And the Gemara there goes on to say that an Adam is Kikov Bifneha Shrina, Kikov Bifneha Adam. And Rav Menachem from Slusia made a big asek out of this pasuk of being a Kov Bifneha Shrina, being a monkey or an ape in the eyes of the Shrina, in the sense that our entire job is to imitate and mimic the behaviors of the things that are holier than us and the individuals that are holier than us. So again, the capacity of the individual to determine the valence and the value of the klipas noga depends on which direction we apply our mimicry, which direction we apply our imitation. Where do we try and imitate? Do we try and imitate that which is loftier than us? And to act in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Chazal say, that mahu rachum afatarachum, just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is merachim and is compassionate, so too you have to be compassionate. And the Ramak of Moshe Cordovero in his introduction to the Sefer Toma Devora makes a very, very significant contribution to the Sugya. And again, like we said, it's associated with Keser because the Oskof is representative of Keser. And by Tomer Devorah, what a person is coming to imitate and mimic are the Yud Gimel Midos of Keser. So we see again that the paradigm or the archetype of mimicry in spiritual form is tied up, according to the Ramak, with the Midos of Keser because it comes from such a lofty area. Nevertheless, Rav Kook, as we're going to see right now, describes in the Oskof the question of the Kippas Noga as to which direction does our mimicry and our imitation go in terms of determining the balance of Klippas Noga. And with that introduction, 
we are going to go into the words of Rav Kook by the Yosef Rav Kook says as follows, Bechol hamon ha throughout the entirety of existence, hamalea osher kochos, that is saturated with a richness of potencies and strengths, rive ravavos tenuos, a myriad amount of movements, ritzonot kedirim, strong desires, olamei olamim la'intachlis, worlds upon worlds without limit, that the expression and the influence of life moves and pulsates within them, in an original matter, intellectual, uh, desirable, essential, and alive. So what Rav Kook is introducing here is the idea that until the Os Kuf, what we've been discussing are throughout existence that is filled with the richness of kochos, all different iterations of Kedusha. From the Aleph towards the Kuf, on a certain level, from the Aleph towards the Kuf, on a certain level, each level describes a certain manifestation of godliness, of expression of Kedusha within the world. And before the Os Kuf, up to the Osadi, everything is original in the sense that it is independent on its own. It is not dependent on something outside of itself to act the way it acts, but it rather emerges from the essence of what it is. But when we come to the Oskuf, we're no longer discussing originality. At this point, we're discussing the act of replication, the act of doubling, the act of acting as if, of ki'ilu, of kavyachol, as if we are acting originally, in spite of the fact that we are deeply aware that as we are entrenched in the worlds of separation, the best that we can do is mimic Kedusha. The best, the greatest hope that we have is to act as if we understand anything, is to be to follow the paths of righteousness and tamimus and to accept certain things and to not question them and just act as if to imitate that which our forefathers have done, to imitate that which generations past have done, because we don't have the capacity to create the originality that stems from the core of something, but rather we act within the recesses of things. We act within the shadows of things in following their pathways. And we're going to see, like I said, how this is not, in spite of its appearance, a secondary level of Avodah Hashem, but deeply embedded within this act of mimicry and kofiyut kedusha, this monkey business, this ape-like mannerisms that human beings engage in, contains a kernel of the Kodesh HaKadashim, the, the depths of Kedusha, where it is disclosed that what we thought was mimicry and what we thought was imitation is actually a disclosure of our essence that the imitation and the mimicry that we have of tzaddikim, of the Tzadi, is actually rooted in the fact that amich kulam tzaddikim, that in the essence, everybody is a tzaddik. So what appears at first glance to be mimicry for a book is going to be disclosed as the deepest level of kedusha inherent within the Jewish people in that what we thought was imitation and mimicry, we were actually expressing our fundamental expression of our soul. This, is, this comes up very clearly in the Mishnaburah when it comes to Elul. The Mishnaburah says that there's a menhagim of certain individuals to eat Pas Yisrael during the Aserasi Mechuva, which, uh, which is simply a source text to express the fact that we take on menhagim tovim in a time of din to sort of trick HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what the Meforshim asks is, what, what's the game here? 
if we don't eat pasisrol, if we're not that holy in whatever context holiness is described the rest of the year, what value is there in mimicking certain behaviors? And the way the Meforshim understand this, and Rav Fisher discusses this explicitly in Sefer Drusha's Beisishai, he says that by imitating things in Elul at a time of difficulty, what we're doing is we're disclosing our truest nature. We're disclosing the essence of our soul. On a certain level, like Rav Sadiq interprets the Halach of the Rambam by a person who is Messiah get somebody who refuses to give a get a star of divorce to their wives you can beat a person you can compel a person to give that why because between you so in its essence rotsa ani the individual truly volitionally wants to engage in these behaviors that mimicry when it's penetrated deeply enough is disclosed to be an original act that what we believe is to be a copying of things that are holier than us is in and of its essence a disclosure of our true nature Rav Kook continues and he says, After this original light, After this originality, there comes a secondary light, an ore of toldos, an ore of that which is born from the original, that shines from within itself in the image, in the dmus of nugahot hashpiot. So again, Rav Kook is saying explicitly that the Oskuf is related to the or hanoga, the or anogiot, the, the, the klipas noga, which stands in ambivalence, primed to either be disclosed as holy or unholy, depending on our imitation. Shemekor hachinuch, hahitraglut, hamorasha, v'hithalchut hadorit, hatikufit, v'haolamit novat misham. Once we descend away from the tzadi, which is the light of originality, and we enter into the realm of duplicity and the realm of mimicry and imitation and secondariness and separation, which appears to be devoid of originality, here Rav Kook says we're entering into the space of traditions and habits and habituation and the tradition that we receive from those prior to us and generational change and epochal change, the historical progress where one generation imitates that which a generation did previously because that generation prior to us imitated the generation prior to it, which discloses a certain chain effect or a chain reaction within the process of history, that only emerges when we fall away from the realm of originality and we fall into the space of mimicry and imitation, which appears to be devoid of originality a sense that determines the value of the worlds of separation, of the worlds of klipa and distortion. Zoti tchunas hachikoi, says Rav Kook. This is the nature of imitation. Hanitiya shel hityatzvut ha-to'ar b'ma'amad ha-musag m'ma'al l'gvul ha-mugval shel ha-yesh ha-mefirat v'ne'erach b'erachav ha-miyuchadim. This is a remarkable sentence that only Rav Kook is capable of expressing. The source of imitation, which is the impulse within creation to stand in the light of those things which are deeper than our limits. The impulse within individuals, within existence as a whole, to imitate and to mimic the behavior of things that are holier than us and things that are removed from our grasp. We want to be like that which is above us. We want to follow in the path of to be madame, to imagine the similarities between us and things that came before us. On a certain psychological level, this is where a person gains all ego strength from, the sense that they are convinced that they are imitating and mimicking something holier than them. 
This act of chikui, hanatiya shel hetzavut b'tor ha'amad ha'musag mimaal lehagvul ha'mugval above their limited value shel hayesh ha'mefurat hanarach be'archav ha'miyuchadim, the ability of a particularly balanced and measured existence within being to imitate and reach beyond things that don't operate within its level. Hakuf mechake asa adam, the monkey associated with the oskuf imitates the individual. So again, we see this act of imitation. Hakofiyuta enoshit, the human sense of apeness, of imitation, of mimicking, that all of humanity on a certain level, all of existence on a certain level is simply an act of imitating that which preceded it, of attempting to be like that which preceded it, which is the root of all humor, which is the root of all laughter, of the schok, that we see in this week's partial, like the Sefer Yetzirah says, that by the Chodesh of Adar, by Purim, when all we can do is imitate Kedusha, because we're up to a level of Adilo Yada, where we no longer know anything, and all we do is imitate Kedusha, there we operate with the Os Kuf, the Os of Schok, the Os of Laughter, because mimicry and imitation is the birthplace of humor, where one thing attempts to be something else, or one thing attempts to pretend that it's something else. Now in Kedusha, this schok, this holiness of Kedusha that emerges out of distinction and distortion and darkness is when that which appears to be broken and devoid of holiness attempts nevertheless through an act of Nasiris Nefesh to imitate holiness. This is the avoda of Yitzchak Avinu. This is the avoda of David HaMelech, of the Barchan HaMelech, of the jester of the king, like the Zohar describes. These were individuals who identified, these were tzaddikim who saw that they had nothing original of their own, and the best that they could do was imitate that which came before them. And what they came to find, and this is the funniest thing of it all, is that through their imitation, through their mimicry, they came to find a deeper level of originality. Unlike Eliezer, Eved Avram, Damesek Eliezer, who was Dola Umashke Mitoros Rabo, who just simply took from the teachings of Avram Avinu and gave them over to other people. Yitzchak Avinu is the true root of Chidush, which gives birth to laughter, novelty and incongruity and absurdity, which is, in spite of the fact that I thought I was simply imitating something, I have come to find against my better judgments that I was actually being true to myself. That is the root place of the laughter of Yitzchak, the Slot Yitzchak. This kofiyut, says Rav Kukha, kofiyut ha'enoshit, this human act of mimicry, or ape-likeness, he hitztamut ha'chikoi ha'chodarat b'chol ha'shtachim. It is simply a, a pictorial image, a picture of the imitation and the mimicry that abides within all levels of existence. So it's not only true by individuals, but within the realms of separation, within the realms of klipas noga and klipa, imitation and mimicry is true throughout. Ha'chikoi ha'tov, the healthy and proper imitation, that improves existence, this is the source of beauty and art. Rav Kook here is, is, if not explicitly, implicitly rooting himself in the medic ideas of Aristotle and Plato, who saw mimicry as the source of art, of an attempt to imitate nature, of life imitates nature. Art in its purest form, beauty in its purest form, is the ability to imitate something without it being clear that it is an imitation, which Rav Kook uses a profound language here, Hitzamus, a photograph, which according to a number of Jewish thinkers in the history of philosophy, 
who's Walter Benjamin specifically, who saw the photograph as the purified form of mimicry. Hapoel b'chol hashedros, mimicry acts throughout all the areas of life, l'fi erchayam, according to the particular values. Hachikoi hatov, positive imitation, hamashachlel atayishut, that improves existence, is the source of pe'er and hadar, of beauty, hama'ale et kol shefa el rom, that elevates all degraded existence towards on high. So here we have our first confrontation with things that are degraded, with klipa, with klipas noga, things that appear to be devoid of kedusha. And it is our job through holy mimicry to elevate them, to make them as if they're mitzvos, which is the source of a minhag or a neder. When something that is whole, when something that is not a mitzvah is done in a way that is mimicking or imitating mitzvos, it becomes like a minhag, it becomes like a holy act. And Rav Kook says, Machon HaMinhagim HaTovim. This is the root place, this is the birthplace of positive minhagim, of the positive imitations, of acting as if this act is holy in and of itself. And the hakbalot, the nedarim, the acts that a person takes upon themselves to say that this act, in spite of the fact that it's not inherently holy, is going to be elevated and transformed into holiness. That is the healthy and holy act of mimicry, where that which appears to be devoid and absent from Kedusha is shown to be a deeper level of Kedusha that comes from the volitional act. And these acts of mimicry hit the point. They hit the bullseye of what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. It's the opposite of a chet. The chet is missing the point. To not hit the bullseye, to transgress the goal. Mimicry in its kedusha of menhagim tovim, of acting as if in a holy way, of mitoch shelo lishma balishma, that in spite of the fact that at this point I'm still mimicking and I'm not lishma, that tzaddikim tell us that it is not a process of cause and effect that mitoch shelo lishma leads to lishma, but rather within the, the lo lishma itself, mitoch shelo lishma balishma, within the interiority of the lo lishma and the mimicry, there exists the lishma and the kedusha ha of originality. But Rav Kook continues and he says, ha-kofiut the negative mimicry, the negative ape-like manner that human beings engage in, because again, Klipas Noga is ambiguous and ambivalent and it can go either way. It is a destructive capacity of mimicry. How so? That it's not imitating that what it sees in its interiority. It's simply acting as if externally, but it doesn't care as to what the internal nature of it is. It is no longer imitating things in the name of pure righteousness, like we saw by the tzaddik, but rather it is imitating for its own purposes. The concepts and the ideas, existence and movements, the ideal wills and the desires, in existence, Rav Kook says, there is a direct stream that descends from on high. And here Rav Kook is bringing us back to the Otsadi that descends into the mind of particular individuals. Where Kedusha and Ruach HaKodesh is mitha emes behem, that it pulsates within them, and the Tzadik understands what the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is meant to be. But this light that comes down also causes shotvim him gamkein mikom meima l'chol ruach kaha v'chodrim b'derach hafgasha el tzat meneima. It also hits the lowly souls. There is an impulse within lowly souls that the tzaddik has 
which is to engage in Kedusha for the sake of Kedusha. We don't receive the or of the Tzadi in its fullness, but what we do receive is the residual light of the Tzadi. And like we said, this residual light of the Tzadi, of mimicry, is only to deepen our expression and to show that within our mimicry, there rests an originality of amechulam Sadiqim, that every person is a Tzadi, that every person has access to Kedusha the kuf of Kedusha, that if we have the ability to elevate the kuf of Klippa to the kuf of Kedusha, then we disclose that our mimicry and the minhagim tovim that we thought were just imitating tzaddikim and righteousness was actually a true expression of the depth of our souls. Imitation arrives. And again, imitation and mimicry has all different types of valences and values. The degrading kofiyot, the mimicry that doesn't elevate anything because it doesn't penetrate into the depths of what it's imitating, but rather rests on the superficiality, like Rav Cook is going to say, of what it's imitating. Hakofiyot hamurida, the degrading kofiyot, hamistapeket bechikuya, that is satisfied in the act of mimicry. Shalot teromim lamala, not to ascend higher than itself. Lo tidag al shetchioseha, it doesn't worry about its superficiality. Velo tarimes rucha. Somebody who is satisfied with mimicry or imitation alone without descending to the point where it is revealed that our mimicry at its core is original in itself, that each person is a tzaddik, that each person, even in their mimicry, is disclosing a deeper level of kedusha. Someone who doesn't go down to that level, that is a negative form of mimicry. That is a form of imitation that doesn't bring about deeper Kedusha, but rather it rests on its laurels and it remains satisfying on its superficiality. However, Kofiut kedusha, the holy level of Kedusha, the holy level of Kofiut that takes the Klippas Noga and elevates it on high, takes the worlds of separation and returns it back to the Aleph, as we're going to see, takes duplicity and sees how it's really rooted in the Koach HaGvul of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we saw throughout Sefer Reish Milin. The the kofiyut hakedusha, the holy mimicry, hamuula umaflia, that is wondrous and transcendent, matchila mehitnaschus shiblonit. It begins with simple and and kind of superficial or traditional actions. The ole uba, and by imitating, it begins to emerge within itself and elevate itself to the point of originality. Mitkadelat mitromemet adlachte chidur pnimi pnimius. The mimicry begins, and we descend into the kodesh hakadashim. We descend into the place of holiness within each neshama, where we reveal that amich kulam tzadikim. That our ability to imitate Kedusha, that our ability to take Klippas Noga and elevate it to Kedusha is the deepest level of our Voda. It is our ability to take the worlds of separation, which appear to be devoid of Kedusha, and elevate them back into Kedusha. Mimicry at its core is original. It is an original copying. It is the capacity of this soul to look towards that which is higher than it and stamp itself with an act of Chidush. This is the difference between Yitzchak and Eliezer. Eliezer was Dola Umashke without any originality. Yitzchak the Ishbitzer Rebbe says, and Rav Sadok says he heard in the name of the Ishbitzer, that Kol Shoresh HaChidush, all novelty emerges me sitra di Yitzchak, from the side of Yitzchak, which is the place of laughter, which is the place of something being funny, because we thought we were imitating and we thought we were being inessential and, and non-authentic. But Kaddish Baruch Hu, who sees to the depths of our heart, recognizes that even our inauthenticity and our mimicry is authentic. Even the realm of Klippa can be elevated to Kedusha. And here Rav Kook is going to be describing the, the 
image of the os chof, uh, of the kuf, which is a chaf and then a, a line that is separated from it, like the os hay. The chaf of the kuf, the first part of the kuf is prepared in the replication of forms, because like we saw by the os chaf, like we saw by the os chaf, that it's a replication of activity, it's the preparation towards action, but not quite action yet. Action is prepared to be engaged. And ideas, the active strength of the mind, and imagination of the individual, is the ideas of the other person that we're imitating, the ideas that we're coming to be mimamic, to, to deepen and to sweeten, are in fact removed from the actions that we're engaged in. The chaf of the oskuf is the originality, are those ideas that we're coming to mimic, and therefore it's separate and apart from the osvav that descends into the depths. It is not connected because the originality and the mimicry are not part and parcel of themselves, except, of course, like what Cook is saying, when we descend into their depths. It descends into the depths of existence. Mimicry and the kedusha of mimicry descends into the depths of existence to disclose. It goes into the abysmal depths. Why? And it calls out, return wayward ones. Those who feel that they're simply mimicking, those who are stuck within klipa and, and distortion and concealment. In fact, shuvu banim shovavim, return, return to that originality. The, the karen ora, the crown of light, emerges and is disclosed from within our mimicry to show the deep level of originality that rests within our mimicry. And this act of mimicry, this descent, the elongation of the line of the kuf, which descends into all areas of depravity and concealment and suffering, it descends down there to show that within klipa itself, within klipa snoga, within mimicry, that devoid of originality remains in the realm of impurity, in and of itself and in its depths discloses a deeper level of kedusha. Now, as we're going to see next week with the os reish, reish, which is racious, waitress is a new beginning, we need to understand the reish in order to understand how the kuf begins to emerge. But what we're seeing from Rav Kook this week is the simple fact that when we descend into the realms of Klipas Noga, when we descend into the realms of mimicry that appears to be devoid of Kedusha, when we penetrate it deeply enough, we find that even in our mimicry, even in the Kofiuta Adam, of the, the, of the Adam who is Kekof Shina, of the person who is like an ape in the eyes of the Shina, what we're truly doing is Mahurachum Af Atarachum, which is not a Ke'ilu, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Merachim, so too we can be Merachim. And it's specifically in the worlds of Klipa, in the worlds of separation, through human volition and human effort, that we can actually disclose the deeper levels of Kedusha, the deeper levels of Kodesh HaKadoshim, and elevate that which at first glance appears to be devoid of Kedusha back up to a space of Kedusha.